Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wilde. Entertainment reporter by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy. And healthy is hot. Join us as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely gonna be some laughing, and hopefully, you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life. To live your healthiest hot life. All right, so today we have Jam Gamble on the podcast. She is one of Toronto's gifted leaders who encourages everyone to slay the mic. This is her signature hashtag, so make sure to check it out on social media to see what I'm talking about. Jam is a multi-passionate media personality and speaker who's on a mission to help people build their confidence and amplify their voice, something that is incredibly important always, but especially right now in the current climate. One of my favorite things that we talk about in this episode is the connection between mental health and using your voice. Tips to stepping up to the physical and metaphorical microphone, the importance of self-love, the story of how she accidentally found herself with the show for six seasons, and the reason she loves doing what she does. So enjoy this week's episode with Jam Gamble. All right, well, Jam, this is such a treat for me because we are living in a time where people are owning their voice, they are using their voice, they are finally stepping up to the microphone. And I think this is such an important skill for everyone to have at any point in their life. And you are right there in the Mike Slayer's Corner helping people tap into that inner superpower. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. It's pretty amazing what you do you help people tap into the confidence that's in there, but sometimes people don't know how to access it through the power of voice. When did this passion start for you? Taking me back memory lane. So it it started six years ago. So first off, I've always been a talker. Um, I was the kid who got into a lot of trouble for talking. Every teacher thought it was a problem. My mom thought it was a problem. My friends thought it was a problem. So I kind of thought it was a problem. Um, and only until I went through school, had my TV show and started getting into like event planning and speaking at events that people start asking me, how do you do that? And to me, it's something that came naturally. Like I talk, I go, I do my thing, but I realized it wasn't the case for everybody. So just impulsively, like everything that I do in life, I just decided impulsively to start a program (laughs) to help people. I was like, people keep asking. So maybe they want me to do this. And so I just started a program. (laughs) And now, now you have made it into a career and you have helped, what is it? 700 people. Yeah. Over 700 people have come through the Slay the Mic program. And that is, it's not even a program anymore. It's a community. Like Mm. it's become this hub where if you're online and you're someone who put out your first video, I'm going to put it out there and tell the Mike Slayer community to go show you love. And even if I don't catch it, other people go in your DMs and give you feedback. And and that's the encouragement that I think everybody needs when it comes to owning your voice is that 
complete strangers just come and tell you you're doing an awesome job and that gives you the motivation to press on. Yeah, because sometimes it just takes that one person to mm -hmm. be like, I see you, you are doing amazing, like great job putting yourself out there. Yeah. Because, you know, speaking in front of crowds or posting a video online, it, that can be a very terrifying, vulnerable experience for a lot of individuals. I mean, you clearly have had this, this in you since day one, it sounds like, but for a lot of people, like public speaking is like the number one fear. Yeah. And I think it just comes from like this fear. And I don't know, probably for everyone, it's probably a little bit different, but like fear of rejection, fear of being quote imperfect or not getting mm -hmm. it right. When yeah. in fact, like you showing up is worth celebrating. Yeah. That's step one. And I think for most people, they strive for perfection. They don't strive for growth. So they think that the first time they come out and they share their story or they say why they're awesome at something or what their idea is, it has to sound perfect from the jump. That's wrong. Like I had someone ask me today and they were like, Jam, like, how are you so comfortable negotiating? And I was like, I think the proper question should be, Jam, how long did it take you to become comfortable with negotiating? Because mm -hmm. I didn't just wake up and start saying, give me the money. <laughs> like it, it didn't happen like that. It, it was a work in progress. And that's the same with your voice. Even the person I am today, I've always been a talker, but I've never owned my voice the way I do right now. So it has been a work in progress. And that's why I try to help people realize that like, don't strive for perfection, just start and see where it goes. That's really powerful. I've always been a talker, but I've never used my voice until now. Yeah. Until now what was that switch for you and how does it feel to use your voice? It dawned on me um, at the same virtual conference that you and I were speaking at, at, at the GEM conference, that for the first time it really hit me, I'm not using my voice. Like I'm encouraging other people to use their voice. I'm encouraging other people to say what they mean and mean what they say. And the truth of the matter is I haven't been operating like that because when I have, I have I face severe, severe consequences for doing it. And I just kind of, I'm confident, I'm loud, I'm bubbly, I show up, but I don't talk about some of the really pressing issues that are actually making me choke and, mm -hmm. and not be the person I wanna be. And so that weekend was the first time I actually unapologetically spoke my truth. And I think it just lit something in me that I was like, I have not been owning my voice or my story and I've not been sharing it in the way that it needs to be shared. And I feel like I've gone through a rebirth. It almost feels like when I cut my hair, like the, the day that I shaved my hair and I saw my hair falling on the ground, I was like, Oh, I'm powerful now. And, and now like for the past couple of weeks, I just feel like I've gone through this rebirth of my voice and it, it feels like it's in a really good place. Was it scary at all to use your voice in this way? Yeah, because I could think about the times when I have and it's caused me immense anxiety. And I know that's hard for some people to even hear to like, what? Jam anxiety, mm -hmm. huh? And yeah, like I could, re I could recall one particular time where I used my voice to defend myself and this gang reaction happened. I lost weight. I wasn't sleeping properly. And I think from that moment, I always kind of played it safe. Like I said what I had to say, but I said it in a way that it wouldn't ruffle too many feathers. And now I'm ready to ruffle all the feathers if I have to, if it means that I'm comfortable speaking my truth and my truth is my truth. And, and that's what matters the most. Yeah. And no one can question your truth. No one can take it away. No one, no one has the right to manipulate anyone else's truth. When someone shows up and they share something, it really angers me and frustrates me, especially in today's climate, 
when people are sharing their truths and then you've got people questioning it or people doubting it. And I'm just sitting, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. It makes me so upset because I'm like, who are you to question this individual who is coming forward with something they've experienced? Yeah. And here you are trying to say that it's not correct or it's not right, or maybe they misinterpreted. Like I can't, I can't stand silent next to that. It makes me so upset, Jam, because I feel like that's, that's people using their voice, but in a negative way. It's not, Mm -hmm. they're not using their voice to support people. And I feel like right now we should be using our voice to support one another, to listen to one another. And like, I hope that you haven't received that type of feedback because if you are here standing, owning your truth, I think. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, there's things I could talk about and I haven't spoken about it yet because I'm still assessing the situation. Um, but I, I spoke on a really light subject matter like last week and I said how I went to bed with pigtails and I woke up and my pigtails looked really cute and it kind of reminded me of like being a black sailor moon and I loved my pigtails and then I was getting ready for a comp, uh, um, a corporate event and I, and I remember I, I put my hand up to like take the pigtails out because I was like, oh, I can't go into this meeting with this pigtails and then I was like, why can't I? And I realize again, when it comes to say like being a black woman in our hair, it's been policed for so long that Mm -hmm. I had to go and put in a ponytail so I could come across as professional. And I was like, pigtails are not, jam is the same. And so I did a video about it. I didn't expect it to go as viral as it did, but there were a few people who I think they saw one person comments and then they started to kind of troll as well. And they're like, your pigtails are cute and all, but what does this have to do with racism? I don't understand. And I was like, first off, I didn't say this had to do anything with racism. Secondly, I said that as a black woman, I'm unlearning because right now we're talking about non-people of color who are unlearning. And I'm also unlearning that it's okay for me to show up how I want to show up. It's okay for me to use my voice in the way that I know I was born to. And that's a process that I'm on right now. So for people to come and leave those kind of troll comments, it's easy for people to feel like I'm never going to talk again. In fact, it just makes my flame even brighter. You let that flame shine brightly. It, the world needs it. The world needs more flames out there to yes. shine brightly. For anyone listening, please, like, if you're going to troll someone, just think twice. Just think about, like, your why. Like, what is your why? And I urge you to really, really look yourself hard in the mirror before spreading more negativity out in the world because that is not what we need at the current moment. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Second that. Right. <laughs> Have has there been a, a an outpouring of outrage to you during this time? You are someone who is known for helping people use their voice, and mm-hmm. we are in a time when people are are using it, owning it, standing up for what is right. And it can be scary to very. use your voice. You know, it's a very it's an interesting time in history, and I can only hope that real change will come from this. Mm-hmm. But I look to you, and I'm like, you are such an inspiration because you have honed in, you have worked out your voice. And I, I would assume that that's a skill that, that people are ready to tap into and to do the work to be able to use their voice in the way that you help your mic slayers that you've been helping for the last six years. Yeah. Um, people look at me and, they're, and they think I've been doing this from day one. And I go, no. And I'm, 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 I'm learning too. And I'm trying to show up and encourage other people because when we think about the most freeing thing we could do, it, it really is speaking our truth. And so what I'm doing right now is trying to show um, not just people, but right now, particularly black women, 
um, that it's okay to use your voice. And I know that we've been operating in a space of fear of retribution, fear of being blacklisted, um, all the fears, instead of thinking about what's the best thing that could happen. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to show up in a way to encourage people. What is the best thing that could happen when you use your voice? You encourage another person. You pass on that torch of encouragement that another person says, okay, if you could speak your truth, I can speak my truth. And then we support that person and encourage them to speak their truth. So I, I want people to realize that if you are on this journey of self-discovery and, and loving yourself and redefining who you are, how much attention are you putting into your voice? And that is what's really going to drive the whole thing to the finish line, that if through how you're showing up, you're able to walk the walk and talk the talk, that's the ultimate form, I think, of self-love. And I'm, and I'm learning that. Even though I'm a coach and I coach it, I'm now coaching myself <laughs> to, to do that. I love how honest you are about all this. I'm, I'm very early on in a certificate program to become a health coach at the moment. And one of the things they keep reminding the students is that to be a health coach, you don't have to be perfect in the realm of health. Yeah. Because nobody wants a perfect health coach. No. And I imagine, you know, it's the same with all coaches. Like we are, we are human. We are on this journey. We are learning. We are going through it. Yeah. And so as a public speaking coach, of course, yes, you can get in front of a stage. You can do your thing. You can wing a TEDx talk. You can do all <laughs> of it. But like you are still a human being on a journey. So I appreciate that you're being honest and saying like, I'm on it too. And it's I'm okay. Of course. And that's, that's the thing. When you can admit that you're growing, people see sincerity in that and they see that's your true authentic self. I do not profess to be the world's most perfect speaking coach. I have made mistakes. I have stumbled over my words. I've gone to events and I've butchered people's names. I'm like, if I butcher your name, please know that I love you and I think you're beautiful. <laughs> like that's what I say all the time. Right. But I have fun with my mistakes. And I think when people see me, they're like, yeah, like, I'm putting the human back in public speaking, um, not the perfectionism, not the scripted talk, but just feeling comfortable to open up your mouth and however it comes out, be proud of it. Like we got to bring that back and reclaim it. It, it amazes me that you are a no script oh. kind of woman because like you have hosted some big, big events. You have done like really fun ones, really corporate yeah. ones, like yeah. TEDx and your approach is I'm gonna do this my way and my way is winging it yeah like, <laughs> they, give me, they give me bullet points so some of my corporate clients are not quite ready yet for me to jam it a hundred percent they'll give me they'll give me like bullets but then yeah. I bring like the energy to it so I'll yeah. put my spin on it but yeah ew I can't read something just oh god no. You're like, no, it's, it's, it's jam or it's nothing. Yeah. Yes. And, and that is, that took time. That really took time for me to be confident enough to tell corporate people, like when I'm moderating a panel, can we get the questions beforehand jam? No, Tim, you can't. Cause I, no, I want this to be an organic conversation. I'm asking you about you, Tim. What do you have to prepare for? Tim, poor Tim. Tim learned he will never ask for questions again. He will never ask again. <laughs> I'm fine with it. But do you, and you can answer no, but do you ever get nervous when you're about to do something and you go into it just ready yes. to go? 
Yeah. Um, I always get nervous. And I think there's two types of nerves. There's the nerves that you allow to consume you. And then there's the nerves where your body's saying, okay, we're taking on something big right now. Let's giddy up. So that's the type of nerves that I'm usually um, experiencing. And be because I'm a spiritual person, before I go to any event, I always say, you know, God, give me the energy to do, to do your work. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. But give me that energy to go in there and make it happen. So I always have a little bit of butterflies, but it's usually the butterflies like, you know, you're holding someone back and then you let them go and then they just run and they unleash. And that's usually what happens. I mean, what a beautiful reframe too. I love that you go in with faith and I love that you reframe, yeah. you choose to have the ability to reframe your nerves into something that's like terrifying and then something that's really exciting. Because if you look at what nervousness is and the way it presents itself in your body, it's pretty damn close to excitement yeah sweaty palms fast heart rate you know you're like you're very alert you kind of look in you're taking everything in and then the, that's they're pretty much the same thing it's just but this the is worse because like when i hosted that tedx day i remember feeling so physically ill like I, it, it felt like my wedding morning mind you i was sick on my wedding morning i had like a stomach flu oh gosh but, I was dying. I was dead. I, I fit my dress like a, like, it, like in a glove, but I was dying. Um, but for TEDx, I was so anxious and so nervous because I believe that everyone in the space, because it was a TEDx space, I felt that everyone in that space was a genius and I wasn't. And that morning I couldn't keep anything down. I was so nervous. And when I came out on stage, the first thing I said was, I'm nervous. And I let out this big bleh. <laughs> And then I said, okay, let's party. And then we can. I just let it out. I was like, oh. like what, a, what a great tip. Like if, if you are really feeling a, an emotion strongly, own up to it, acknowledge it. And then it, it kind of takes the power away from that emotion. Yeah. You, know, you just put call, it out there. Yeah. I don't call my nerves nerves and I don't call them like people often say imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I call it who's your Kanye. Okay. So if you remember that iconic moment where Kanye took over T-Swizzle's time, we mm -hmm. all have a Kanye in our life. Your choice is when your Kanye chooses to show up, is your Kanye going to share the stage with you like it shared it with Taylor? Or are you going to say, take a seat somewhere in the audience? I tell my Kanye to go sit in the audience and watch how it's done. <laughs> that <laughs> is... <laughs> You're going to learn today, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go sit down next to Tim. Okay. Go with him. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell my Kanye to sit down. And then oftentimes I look at my speaker's contract and I go, whose name's on that contract? Is it jam and yay? No, it's not. It's just jam. So bye. And that's how I, that's how I deal with it. I face it. That is epic. That is epic. And I think facing it is such an important part of life. You know, mm -hmm. like we can't let fear run our life. We can't run away from what makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable we have to face life head on and then we gotta use our damn voice but i'll be honest there was a time was it last year it was last year where i was holding on to something with my mom <laughs> and i knew she i knew i had to tell her she couldn't come to this thing with me and i was afraid to let her down and i was thinking of her feelings and i was putting her feelings before mine and when i finally told her how i felt i had a nine hour anxiety attack <gasps> yeah. Oh, jam. 
Yeah. So I have an Apple watch. Shout out to Apple, not producing this episode, but shout out to Apple. <laughs> my watch was giving me all the signs. And it's like, okay, your heart rate is from, it went from 66 beats per minute to 165. And then from 165, while I was sleeping, it reached a high of 210. So I share that story to tell people this is what happens, mm-hmm. possibly could happen when you don't speak up, when you let something fester and you let it consume you. And then finally, when you do, although you're like, okay, I finally dealt with it. Your body's like, whoa, we weren't ready for this. That to have a nine hour anxiety attack was like, I was white after that. But I realized from that moment, I can't bite my tongue. I can't keep my feelings in. I need to release it because it's not good for my body. It's actually very detrimental. Well, I mean, it's just, it really shows the power and the connection between mental health and using your voice, having those conversations. They seem incredibly intertwined. And Mm. what you experience is literally like, it causes, and mental health is such an important part. Like here at Healthy is how we believe mental health is the foundation of health. You can, you can have, you know, if you're building a house, you can have the windows and the, the lighting and the cutlery in the drawers and the furniture. But if you don't have a foundation, if you don't have your mental health, no matter how pretty your furniture is, like you need, you need the foundation. Yes. Yeah. And that's when people ask me, Jim, what's your five-year plan? I'm like to have my health. As long as I have it, I could do anything. Yeah. So I learned a lot from that moment that, you know, our voice is more than just this tool that we use to communicate. It is something that we use to heal. It is something that we use to empower people. It is something that we use to bring awareness. It is this free, like renewable resource within your body that if you really activate it, the possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. And I just wish more people would really just tap into that than feed into the fear. Well, you are out there doing that work. You are out there helping people yeah lean into that yes, um, I'm magical I am so sorry you've had a nine-hour anxiety attack I I struggle with anxiety and I've never had a nine-hour like anxiety attack but I can only imagine the next day how drained you felt well the next day I had to do four keynotes at one school it was an all-girls Catholic school and I woke up drained and so I made the decision to go on my health app on my phone and I screenshotted the stats from my anxiety attack and I inserted it in my slides because I wanted to go and tell these girls like listen I'm going to be real with you I'm not operating at full capacity and this is why and I want you to get this lesson from it and I think when we talk openly and honestly and we use our voice to be honest about what we're going through instead of thinking that it's a shameful activity, think about the benefits and who it's benefiting. And those girls were like, but you seem so confident. You seem so bubbly. How can someone like you have a nine hour, nine hour anxiety attack? And I go, I could, I'm human at the end of the day. It doesn't matter how extroverted I am. I could still be anxious. And I've, and I've decided to continue telling people about that because like, that's how we create change. And that's how we allow people to feel that it's okay to talk about your emotions and not carry that shame with you when we normalize it by having conversations. So I use my voice to normalize things as well. And I think if one person kind of starts that chain, then it inspires other people to maintain it. Wow. That's amazing. Especially, you know, if I put myself back to when I was going to school, if I had someone come in and speak openly about mental health in that way, especially someone who is as confident and as vibrant and as energetic as you are, Mm -hmm. you know, usually people don't imagine you 
and an anxiety attack, right? And I think that's where part of the stigma is, is people have this idea, this preconceived notion of what mental health issues look like. And we need Mm -hmm. to throw that out the window. Mental health Mm -hmm. is something that affects every single person. You might not see it. Most of the time you don't. So let's not make assumptions. Instead, let's listen and be open-minded when someone is talking openly about it because we have come a long way when it comes to mental health, but I think there's still a long way to go. And I think you're right. We got to keep normalizing it. Yeah. And again, with my platform, I'm really grateful that I have the opportunity to like go into schools and talk to students. And I just remember when I was a kid, I wish, like you said, I wish there was somebody Mm -hmm. who was coming into our school and, and having these types of conversations. So I don't, only use my voice to amplify myself I use it to encourage others to also amplify themselves and in going into different arenas and meeting with different groups and normalizing conversations that need to be normalized I think it's like a magical key that we all possess that once we just take that key out and we're like I'm not going to be afraid to talk about this then people are like okay wow so yeah I could talk about my anxiety attack too I could talk about this too and then we're like oh okay like when I, when I used to teach in kindergarten, there was this little boy who's like, I can't do, I can't do a Father's Day card. And we're like, why not? He goes, because my dad's in jail. And we're like, oh, that's, okay, that's awkward. And then another little kid goes, another kid's like, my dad's gone to jail too. And they're like, cool. And they just kept coloring. <laughs> so I think, you know, like, one kid felt shame. Another kid said, well, my dad did it too. And they're like, yeah. oh, okay. And then they just moved along. So that's the same kind of rhythm and style that I want to encourage onto people. Like, just talk, let it out, let it flow. And, and you'll see like the difference it does to your health when you talk about it. When you hide it, it does not do anything good for you. But when you feel free enough and comfortable enough, mm-hmm. endless possibilities. Yeah. And I think a good baby step, if you're not quite ready to say it out loud to someone else, I don't know if you agree with this, but writing it down or even saying it out loud to yourself is sometimes a really great step in the direction of being able to share that with someone else, whether it's uh, a therapist or a family member or someone in your support system, but just taking those steps so that you feel hopefully less isolated and less alone with whatever you're struggling. Yeah, the speaking coach in me says, um, I don't want you to write it down. I want you to record <laughs> an audio note or a video. <laughs> Great, done, you heard it. You heard it from Jim. Yes, why not? You know what? Try it. Just try it. Yes. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised the release you have after that. Mm -hmm. And then you decide when, and that's the thing about our voice. As much as I'm encouraging people to use it, I want you to use it when you feel ready to use it. Because the last thing I want is for you to feel, oh my gosh, I have to share my story because everybody's sharing their story right now. Like tap into it when you feel strong enough. And the minute you are in alignment with your energy, all the words will flow out and they will piece themselves together in the way that they're meant to be. Life happens and you got to trust that, that intuition and you do have to listen to yourself. You have to have that awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And to make sure that the timing is right. You feel comfortable, you feel supported Mm -hmm. in using your voice. Um, Mm -hmm. I must say, I love that you um, are amplifying voices of so many individuals, but you also have this passion for the younger generation. Yes. Like you, you can tell that when you speak a few times now, you've brought up school children or when you were a teacher and like you light up when yeah. you talk about youth. Yeah. It just, Where does I that come from? 
Well, my background in education, that's, that's, that's where it starts. Um, but again, I was that kid who got into trouble, right? So I started Slay the My Junior to encourage other kids to embrace the inner talker in them um, and to own their voice. And just last week, I had a student who, she, she always wants to be valedictorian, but she's not that model student. And she's like, I can't do it because like, I, I have a lisp. I can't pronounce my R's properly. I always got in trouble. No one's going to want to listen to me. And we worked on her speech and I've never cried so hard before. Like she poured her whole heart out into that speech. And then she put in a video and I cried some more. And she's like, I've never been so proud of my voice before. And to hear a child say, I'm proud of how I sound, even if I don't have the biggest vocabulary, even if I... I have a list. I still want to use my voice. Like that, that's just what, that's what I live for moments like that. I imagine those moments. I mean, do those moments happen all the time? I mean, those moments must be such a dopamine rush where you feel like the secondhand joy and, you know, pride that this individual, this mic slayer is experiencing. Yeah. It happens a lot because I'm still connected to a lot of my students, but in the, in, encouraging parents to encourage their children to use their voice and I hear their stories through them. So my child today told me that this is why they're feeling really stressed or my child told me that this is someone that's harming them at school and they felt brave enough to say it. And those are all wins, right? Using your voice is not only to use it to celebrate it, but it's also to talk about some really hard things. And when parents tell me that they could, they know how to have those conversations with their kids, I'm like, that's what we need. We need to like strengthen those communication bonds between parent and child. And to play a role in that, it's like ultimate, ultimate for me. It's amazing that you went from being the talker as a kid, uh, maybe sometimes getting into trouble to now where you are now and like definitely not getting into trouble. You're helping other people use their voice. I mean, that is quite the arc. Yes, it is. It is. So in between there, you were an educator mm-hmm um tv host yep oh my gosh uh, by the way as somebody who works in this industry the fact that you i don't want to say the story for you but the fact that you accidentally pitched a show and it ran for six seasons 75 episodes is <laughs> i don't even know how to encapsulate that sentence but jim that's that's pretty amazing. So for those that, that don't know, um, A Voice for All was um, an yeah, accidental was an six accident. season show. <laughs> it was a big accident. Big accident. Best, b- biggest blessing and biggest accident. So uh, when I graduated from college, my mom's advice was don't be basic. And I was like, okay, cool. I won't be basic. And I applied to Rogers TV. That's where a lot of people started out. Shout out to Rogers, rest in peace. Um, people started out there. I did an interview. I, I didn't like how the interview went because they prepped me for questions. They didn't actually ask me those questions. So when I watched the playback, I was like, oh, I don't like how I sound in this. So I decided to reapproach them with a new show concept. And I thought that in filling out this application, I was deciding whose show I wanted to be on, not pitching my own TV show. So you went from being a guest on a show to being, yes. like, you know what, not really happy with okay. how that went. So let me just, let me just give you my idea. Yeah. And then bada bing, bada boom, you yeah. were given your own show. Yes. I had no prior TV experience. I didn't go to school for it. Um, Rogers TV friends is like no budget. So no teleprompter. I had no teleprompter and I didn't use notes. So I winged my entire show for six seasons. <laughs> I mean, that was 
that must have been such a, an integral part of the reason you are here where you are now. Because yes. hosting a show without a prompter, it's just for anyone listening, is not an easy feat. No. Like that is a lot of time to fill, a lot of content. Yes. Sometimes there's delays. You need to fill time. You need to make it feel conversational. Yes. Like, <laughs> or guess no. who likes to ramble? And or, you're like, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. So that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> Just segue, segue, cut, cut. Yeah. It, it threw me into the fire and I came out like someone who was like, I could talk about anything, anytime, anywhere, because I winged the show for six seasons. Yeah. What was look like looking back, what was the biggest takeaway from doing that experience into your daily life now? Oh, good question. Um, to be me and not someone else. So back then, I, the only person I could really look to was Oprah. So because my show was a talk show and I was interviewing people, I was trying to like channel my inner Oprah and in interviewing people. And that's why the first two seasons of my show were so stiff. Because like, I'm not Oprah, I'm jam. Mm-hmm. And when I stepped into my jamness and like by season three, I was like moving, I had more body language, I was a lot more comfortable. And so that's what I, that's what I really took away from that is like, be you, sound like you. You could be inspired by other people, but don't adopt their styles and mannerism. Be you, and that's how you stand out. And I'm so glad I figured that out by season three. <laughs> what, was there a moment where you realized, I think it's time I step into myself on air because to do two whole seasons and then to switch in the third, Mm -hmm. like, was there a moment that that switch happened or were you just ready to? No, it it happened when I started feeling comfortable enough to watch my episodes. So like the first season I was like, my makeup looks okay. My outfit's okay. That's it. That's all I need to know. Um, and then season two, I was kind of building it a little bit. And season three, I was like, I was watching myself. And I, I share that because a lot of people are so uncomfortable watching themselves. They cringe. And I cringed in the beginning, but I'm like, in order for me to get better, I need to watch myself. I need to hear myself and I need to reconnect with that side so that I could better myself. And the more I watched, the more I was like, okay, taking notes. And there's a difference between watching yourself with a critical lens and a reflective lens. And I was watching with a reflective lens was like, this is what I could do better versus like, oh my God, I'm terrible. I suck at this. I shouldn't have a show. No. Well, I oh. like that. Being able to look at through two different lenses. Cause it's hard. I v- it's so rarely, hard. rarely watch myself because I, I can be quite mean to myself, mm. but it's important. It's, and it's also an important, it comes back to self-love being able to watch yourself. You know, if you're, if you're filming something or you're preparing a speech, like it's important to look at the person staring back at you and feel love and appreciation and respect. And I think that's, that's the root of, of so many difficulties in life is lack of self-love and it's hard. Self-love is not easy. So I'm curious, what's been your journey with self-love over the years? I think we're always on a journey of self-love one. I don't think anyone's ever going to master that. And I think, especially as, as, as women, you know, there's moments where you don't love yourself because hormones might be at play. And I don't know, like what's that moon retrograde, renegade, whatever it's, retrograde. <laughs> whatever it's called is an effect. <laughs> there's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things that are happening and it's funky. Um, but I think, watching myself back and being impressed with myself and being amused. I often watch my own videos and I laugh. 
like tears. <laughs> and I, and I show my husband, I go, look how funny I am. And he's like, really? I go, yes, <laughs> I'm so funny. And I'm okay thinking I'm funny. And I laugh at myself and I love watching myself on camera. And that's why I'm so comfortable doing it. Cause I'm like, I look great. I sound great. Yes. Work this magic versus like, Oh my God, I don't want to, I don't want to embrace this. No, embrace this. Cause if you don't, who will? Yeah. A hundred percent. It's you. hard though. I mean, it sounds, it is it hard. Sounds, like these kinds of things always sound so easy. It's like embrace I, yourself. And it's like, I want to, like, I want to be right there with you. I want to be able to say that. And you know it. why my husband, my husband, don't tell him, but my husband is super arrogant. He's incredibly arrogant. And I remember there was a year where I was like, babe, how come like, I'm not a part of anyone's girl gang and nobody's inviting me to do things or, or, or talking about what I do. And he's like, babe, you're a triple threat. Women won't like you. Love yourself first. And I was like, okay. <laughs> that was, and I think that's what shook me. And then that was it. Love yourself first. But we ha like, I think that's so important. It's so important. I love that he was just so like. Eastern European. He's like. No one's going to like you. You're a threat. Just deal with it. <laughs> okay. You're like, um, I think that's a compliment. I think there's I a compliment in there. There's there was definitely something in there. I'm like, do you hug me now? Do I just walk away? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how to respond to that. Have you come to terms with what he said to you? Like, yes, I have. I, 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 I have. And that is to me, it's like the equivalent of being on a plane and putting on your mask first. It's the same action that if you're in danger, they tell you mask yourself first mm -hmm. when you're in real life and you're going through things and you got obstacles coming on or opportunities coming on and you look in your corner and there's nobody there. You got to put your mask on first and you got to take a nice deep breath and you got to get back in there. Yeah. You can't wait until someone comes across and goes, here, let me put this mask on for you. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice, but it's just, it would just be not nice. reality, but it's not reality. No. And I think like, this idea of self-love and putting yourself first, it's not selfish. I think especially women, we have to stop thinking about putting ourselves first as selfish. Like yes. it's selfless to put yourself first because you will be able to show up in your life yes. so much better for your career, your job, yes. your kids, your partner, like whatever it sets your soul on fire, whatever you got to do that day. If you can truly show up mm -hmm. as the best version of yourself, Mm -hmm. healthy, happy, driven, well-slept. Oh, yes. I mean, that's going to have so many ripple effects into so the rest of your life. I've gotten very comfortable with saying that does not serve me. Mm. I've gotten very comfortable. Things, especially in the past couple of weeks, things have come up. Hey, can you do this? It doesn't serve me. I'm just going to let you know right off the bat that doesn't serve me. And then I had this conversation with a woman the other day and I was like, it doesn't serve me. And she kept coming back and back and back. And I was like, it doesn't serve me. It's not you, it's me. And I have determined this does not serve me and I'm going to honor that. Yeah. I'm sorry, you don't want to understand that, but being able to say this does not serve me, yeah. say that out loud four times. It, you just serve. feel leveled up and powered up when you're like, this does not serve me. Okay. I'm in a line. This does not serve me. Okay. I'm at work. This does not serve me working on a Friday. This does not serve me. My husband leaving socks on the ground. This does not serve me. <laughs> like <laughs> definitely not just pick up the sock. Damn socks, man. Doesn't serve me. I've I mean, gotten very comfortable saying it doesn't serve me. This doesn't serve me 
sounds so much more empowering than saying, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Or coming up with some excuse or a white lie or like, no, this doesn't serve me. It's like, no, you're, you're putting the ownership on you. You're saying, no, this is, this is what, yeah, it's, uh, that's amazing, Jam. It's hard to say no. It's really, it's hard to have the awareness to be so in line with yourself that you can actually pick up on things that don't serve you because I tested it on my mom. Oh, she's she's the first person I tested it on. She sent me some WhatsApp link, like all parents do. And she's like, watch this. And I said, no, And she was no, but you have to go. It doesn't serve me. (laughs) She was like, what? I go, this does not serve my mental health right now. Yeah. I need things that are uplifting, empowering me and not clouding my judgment. I'll watch this at a later date when I feel compelled to. <laughs> the end. How did it feel? Like, it's almost like you're yeah. standing up for yourself. You're an advocate yeah. for yourself she at was, that point. She was perplexed. She's like, I'm sorry, what is happening here? I'm like, I'm deciding what does not and what does serve me. And if you can master that in your most personal relationships, it's going to be even easier to go out with complete strangers and go, yeah, no, this is, this is really, you know, serve or benefit me right now. So practice that line with the people you love the most. Yeah. And I think if, I think if you're on the receiving end of that line, don't take it's it a blow. personally. It's a, it's a bit of a blow. Yeah. Our ego, you're like, what? I, yeah. You know, but just think that this person is telling you, I think I'm caring about myself right now. Yeah. I know my capacity. I know my limit. I play within it and I can't do this right now. And if you truly care about that person, you're going to honor that space and that time. How, how are you ensuring that you are not running on empty on a day-to-day basis, but also especially right now, like when there are so many people reaching out, myself included, so grateful that you said yes, but you know, it's, you only have so much energy. There is only so much of you to, to kind of go out into the world. And mm-hmm. it's great that you know how to say this doesn't serve me, but are yeah. there other things you're doing to make sure that you jam are like well taken care of in multiple areas. So one, my husband actually brought it to my attention when COVID hit and I just threw myself into everything online. He realized that I was on zoom calls back to back to back to back to back to back to back. And he's like, you need to start blocking out two hours in your day for you to eat, take a nap and come for a walk with the dog. So I, I changed my calendar. So between like 1130 and one, we go for a 5k walk. I could take a power nap. I could eat something and then get charged up for one o'clock. Like I was treating it like I was just this, this bot that could just keep working and working. So when I made that change, I noticed a change um, in my energy. In terms of emails, um, there are a ton of emails I still haven't responded to. I'm still working through my DMs. Instead of starting off my email by saying, I'm so sorry for my late response. Thank you for your patience in awaiting my response. You know, like just even putting that one line makes me feel like I'm, it's okay that I, yeah. you waited two days. This wasn't something that you needed right now. wasn't urgent, but thanks for your patience. I truly appreciate that. And I have to give thanks to the fact that the shopping gods are always in my favor. Um, <laughs> shopping is my therapy. It is my vice. And during the last couple of weeks, Zara was on sale every week and I was just buying and buying, but they didn't have anything. And I was like, don't you people see that I'm stressed? And out of nowhere, they, they, um, they launched this big sale. My car was ready when it hit eight o'clock I purchased and I felt good. I was so, I was like, yes, shopping gods. You knew that I needed that. I needed all those 13, 15 items. I'm so glad. I can't wait for you to get them. Oh yes. I'm going to wear them well in my office. And when I walk my dog, because every time I walk my dog, it's a fashion show. You're going to get this look. 
there is something really beautiful about fashion that makes you feel good. Like I understand that not everybody's into fashion, but if it's something that, that resonates with you, it does something. Yes, you might look amazing on the outside, but it does something to the inner you. Like it's really incredible. And it like, if it, it's amazing what like for you, you love your earrings, but like everyone's got their thing that makes them yeah. feel good and feel joy. And I think there's something really great about retail therapy. Like it just is. brings joy. In the beginning of COVID, there was this culture of um, how many drinks have you had for the day? which I was really thinking of my friends who were on their journey of sobriety and mm. constantly being bombarded with those type of imagery. And so I remember I did like a podcast and someone's like, so what are you drinking? I'm like, I'm drinking lemon water because my skin needs to stay moisturized. But the question is how many czar orders have I put in, in the past two <laughs> weeks? It's been six. It's been six. <laughs> I don't care. Biggest takeaway here. Find something that brings you joy, yes. like Zara brings jam. <sighs> when there's a sale. When there's a Gotta sale. love a good sale. Oh, I love it. I love it. Clearance is my middle name. But for oh. anyone listening who's like, you know what? This is my time. I want to use my voice. I yeah. want to be more comfortable with, yes. with who I am and like the person I present in the world. What would you say are your three biggest tips so that they can step into their ultimate superpower? Yeah, one, get comfortable introducing yourself. Two, do not rush the process of introducing yourself. Um, and three, learn to love the sound of your voice. Whether you are recording audio notes, whether you need to change your voicemail from you've reached six, four, seven, to actually your voice. Yeah. Those are three things you could do right now to start feeling like I love how I, I sound and I'm going to use my voice more often. Check, check, and check. Mm -hmm. And I cannot have... Jan Gamble on the Healthiest Health Podcast without asking for an affirmation <gasps> because they are so good, you guys. These are amazing. Um, I, I think everyone needs them and you will be so lucky to be able to hear one right here, right now. I'll give two very quickly. One, my words have the power to make a difference. And two, I give myself permission to use my voice. I mean, right. what a beautiful one to end on. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was truly a pleasure. And just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wilde. If you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. See you next week.